the DI Guys podcast was created to share the best ideas, strategies, and concepts so you can have conversations to help you exponentially grow your DI sales. While they may have lost their hair, they have not lost their minds. Here are the DI Guys, Chris Carlson and Mike Cogdo. This is Chris Carlson, and welcome to this episode of the DI Guys podcast. We hope you had the opportunity to join us for the 2020 DI Summit. It was an amazing event with great presentations. In this episode, we want to replay the producer panel that was moderated by Mike Cogdell. We hope you enjoy the replay. Mike, I am now going to turn it over to you and your awesome panel, uh, producers panel. I'm really excited to hear from them. Uh, I know you've had an opportunity to work with these gentlemen for several years, so Take it away, my friend. Chris, thank you. And Dan, thank you for your insight. Um, always interesting to hear what the numbers guys have to say. I think we would all agree that the future for this product is like it's always been. It's infinite and unlimited. And hopefully, you know, we can just continue to go forward to get more people to sell this product. I'd first like to introduce uh, my three panelists today. They all pretty much have hair. Um, First is Greg Burden. I'm just going to do it alphabetically. Greg Burden is with Owl Insurance. He's from here in Denver, Colorado. Jeff Feeks from Copic Insurance, another young man with hair, um, is with us today. He's also from Denver, Colorado. And last but not least, my good friend, Dyron Ainsley, who is from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and I must congratulate him because he is the father of a second brand new boy. Came out to be a really big one. And if you actually saw Diamond Stature, you would wonder how he had such a big child because he's not the biggest man I've ever met. That being said, I want to start with three of you and we'll continue to go alphabetically here for the next 30 minutes. They're all three in the industry for a while. I've known them all for anywhere from 10, 15 years down to a couple years. But they piqued my interest because of one, and this is a compliment, because of their ages. Uh, they're in this business. They're um, passionate about disability insurance and really work hard to sell this product whenever and wherever they can. So I'd like to start with question one, and it's really easy. Each three just go across. Again, Greg, Jeff, and Dyron, is how'd you get started in the business initially? And then we'll talk about where disability, so it's two-part, where disability fits into your process from, is it the beginning? Is it the end? Is it a fact find? Is it a Mike Coggle thing that says, listen, I just need to talk about this regardless? So from there, tell me where you got started, how you got started in the business. And number two is is where this particular product during Disability Awareness Month obviously fits into your scheme. So, Greg, please go ahead. Thanks, Mike. Um, so, how I got started in the business, uh, 2003, um, I had moved to Bozeman, Montana, and started my career as a producer with disability specialists. Um, I was tasked with uh, selling disability insurance directly to financial planners. So, uh, I was talking all day long to financial planners about their personal individual disability insurance, um, got to know the business. And um, as I kind of moved through the first couple of years there, I started hearing from these advisors, um, Hey Greg, I like what you've done for me. Can you do this for my clients? 
So at the time, I couldn't. Um, so I, I thought to myself, all right, there's a market here. Um, fast forward six, seven years, um, moved to Denver um, and started in my practice as broker's broker. Um, I've talked to uh, Corey Anderson a lot about this, um, Chris Carlson, Mike as well, and, and had a lot of support over the years and ideas on how to grow this business. So moved to Denver started meeting with advisors as a DI specialist. And, um, you know, and as I kind of grew through my career and, and started growing my family, I thought to myself, you know, wow, my income is so important to myself and my family. Um, I think people really need to have this conversation. It is a huge piece to the overall financial plan. It's overlooked a ton. And I want to be there to uh, help people and educate people and guide them through this. Um, from a real simple basic level, I think of it as protecting the roots of the tree. You know, if the roots die, the tree falls over. Um, and that's kind of like the financial plan. If you don't have the income, which is the driver, um, then things can fall apart pretty quickly. So that's kind of how I landed in the, in the business. And, and, um, as far as my process and, and where does DI fit into my process? I do DI only. Um, so, um, I get brought in by other advisors to do the income protection piece. I get asked to do a little bit of life insurance here and there. Um, uh, if I have a, one of their clients in underwriting and they do not want to do it. But um, for me, I have a life and health license, no securities license, no PNC license. I don't want to be looked at as a competitor with my referral partners. So I really focus in staying in my lane and doing income protection and building the trust with these advisors and, um, yeah, that's my process. Greg, really quick follow-up before, before I go to Jeff. Really quick question. When you started with DSI in Bozeman, Montana, were you surprised at how many financial planners and insurance agents didn't own this coverage? On this I was. Side? Were you surprised? I really was surprised. And, you know, it's interesting. Most of the financial planners I was speaking with, they knew enough about it, um, but – a lot of them, most of them did not own it themselves. So um, that's why the program was so successful, I think. You know, we were able to educate those advisors. Um, they got their own coverage in place, and then they started recommending to their clients, hopefully. Great. Thank you. Jeff, same question. Start where and where this fits into your process of working with clients. Jeff actually works mostly with physicians and dentists, so I'd like him to go ahead and tell us, one, how long you've been in the business and where this fits into your practice, please. Absolutely, Cog. Well, I also wanted to say um, thanks for letting me on. It's a huge honor for me. Um, love the, the tee up question of how many planners actually don't hold coverage too. And I have to smirk because, you know, there were years of me being in the business without holding it as, as we all kind of um, have come to that conclusion. So, I've yeah, been, did somebody goad you into buying it? <laughs> yeah, just maybe a couple people, you know, a couple reliable sources here. One may or may not be on the Zoom call. So, uh, so um, I've been in the business for about seven years now. Um, pretty much got in right after college. Um, I graduated with my personal finance degree. Knew I wanted to go that route of kind of full comprehensive planning, the CFP, the whole deal and ran into uh, our commonality friend, Mike Edwards. Um, liked the independent story of what he was doing advisor-wise. Um, 
his first thing he talked about was selling DI and disability insurance and me being a college graduate, you know, we hear this all the time. I immediately thought he sold wheelchairs or something in relation to wheelchairs. Um, but I, I bought into the independent side and kind of jumped feet first, uh, cut my teeth servicing books of business and policies and getting stuff through underwriting start to finish um, until I moved into full production about three and a half years ago. And so, as you mentioned, Cog, the majority of my business and you mentioned my practice is physician, it's medical, and it's dental. Um, how that kind of fits in or my exact niche is uh, on the dental side, it's truly acquisition based. You know, we target a lot of dentists who are, again, up and coming, um, looking to acquire practices and with loans, they're needing collateral for either BOE or life insurance. And so obviously I sell both of those coverages. Um, in comparison to uh, Greg there, you know, I still offer the full investment stream, but I would definitely put myself as more niche of protection planning, insurance planning, and specifically disability insurance planning. So that's the dental side. And then the physician side is um, my niche is working directly with medical residents. You know, you're going into these hospitals and I'm speaking to these medical resident programs of about eight to 10 physicians. And it's this conversation of, you know, your income right now is X. And what is that going to look like 10, 15 years down the road? It's probably going to grow three to five times within at least the next two, three years. And so you really only have one thing that's going to essentially derail this train and that's losing your income. You've gone th through school for 20, 25 plus years. It's not really a risk you, I wouldn't want to give up. Um, and so I'll kind of circle this back on to owning coverage of myself. You know, I'm not a surgeon. I'm not working with my hands, but it exactly same. It applies directly with me given my age, my ability to earn income uh, the only way to derail this proverbial train is losing that. And that goes exactly back to Greg's point of the importance of protecting your income. And so two years ago, uh, with the help of you, Cog, got my uh, DI policy and I'm up and running. So that's my story. <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you. Dyron, proud papa, please go ahead. Yeah, so I, I got into the business, I guess, back in 2009, a previous financial crisis. I was doing mortgages at J.P. Morgan Chase and I didn't really feel like that industry was going to be sustainable for, you know, a couple more years to come down the line. And I guess the only people actually hiring at that time would be insurance companies because um, they'll always take you. So I started out with Mutual of Omaha, worked there for a couple years, uh, got my series, uh, then went into Northwestern Mutual, um, sold a lot of DI there, um, working with some of those folks. Um, they're very good at what they do, and then ventured into New York life for a little bit, and then realized trying to run uh, an investment firm and a comprehensive financial planning practice through an insurance company uh, can be a logistical and paperwork nightmare. Uh, so I ventured off and started uh, my own RA, uh, you know, made tens of millions of dollars for, you know, about 150 clients, um, just kind of staying busy, but, you know, really working with my clients in a way that Disability is always the first thing, um, you know, because you do not pass go, you do not collect $200 if you are not working. Um, so that's, you know, always something that I always try to preach to my clients as kind of the go 
And the starting off point, basically the foundation of any good financial plan is always risk management. You did the triangle yesterday, um, but, you know, looking at that triangle, the only reason the triangle is even there is because you have an income. If you do that, you don't really no. ha have much to plan. Uh, and it does kind of protect my AUM as well. You know, my clients have to start rating their 401k plans and their IRAs um, because of an illness. You know, it's not really good for my bottom line either. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, you know, just kind of jumping into it. Quickly, and thank you, Dyron. Question, again, all three of you in, in the same order, is if you use income protection as a prospecting tool, just real quick, the 40-second version of how you open up this conversation. We often talk about how easy it is or how hard it is, but I wanted, you know, the three of you um, to explain to me that's young, you know, younger than me, I'm going to be 60, you guys are younger, how you open this conversation up, you know, in the first minute or halfway through, but what, what is the opening so the audience can hear, maybe you have an idea that I haven't thought of before as well. So Greg, I'll start with you. What do you use to open up this conversation? Yeah, so typically I am introduced to a client from an advisor who hopefully has recommended this and that they have this discussion um, I usually open up with asking some questions. You know, how would you pay your bills if you were sick or injured and, and couldn't work? Um, you know, what is your plan? You know, do you have any protection currently in place? That kind of thing. And then from there, um, you know, I really go into my process and explain my, my three-step process. Um, you know, share some statistics along the way and, and, a lot of times I try to bring a little bit of humor into it. It's not the most uplifting conversation here, but it's, you know, it's a real risk and we need to talk about this. Um, so yeah, and I can touch a little bit on my process if you want, Mike. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty similar to Corey Anderson's. I've gotten a lot of guidance from him over the years. Um, you know, first meeting is um, once the, once the advisor introduces me over email, I reach out and set up the first appointment. Typically, I give the uh, client the option, you know, whether they want to meet in person or whether they want to meet over the phone. Um, and it's interesting. Most people want to take care of this over the phone. Um, you know, traffic in Denver was just horrendous prior to the pandemic. Um, so people are, you know, trying to be more efficient and that kind of thing. So do most of it over the phone. Um, first appointment, I definitely am going through medical questions um, income, occupation, those kinds of things. Um, but that's where I really try to build a trust and, and gather, um, you know, data and, and talk about medical history. I think um, field underwriting is really important, and I think that's um, what's really helped, you know, my business. Um, so ask those questions. Um, gather information. Do you have coverage now? If so, send me the contracts. I want to review them, whether it's group or individual. Um, and if there is medical history, try to be proactive. I mean, surprises are not good in insurance typically, you know, so um, I do a lot of work with underwriters and pre-screens and those kinds of things, um, you know, and educating the client. Hey, look, we're, we're dealing with, uh, you know, potentially a rate increase or an exclusion and, and explain to them the, the different underwriting outcomes here, you know. Um, worst case is decline, but maybe an exclusion or rating, and hopefully we'll get this issued as applied. Um, so really try to be proactive there. Second appointment, um, a little different than Corey. I don't um, 
usually illustrate the Cadillac. I talk about what the um, client's needs are on the front end and try to put together a plan. I really stress, hey, this is totally customizable to your situation. Um, go through a review, any existing coverage, um, and, you know, go through the options uh, with them and explain to them, you know, the different policy provisions. And if they want to dive into the weeds, and we, we can talk about presumptive and capital sum and supplemental health and, you know, good health benefit, all these different things. Um, and then, you know, from there, talk about, you know, um, the, the application if you want to proceed or if not. And I, I've talked about this um, with some advisors in the past, the, the declination of coverage or the waiver. Um, and at the end of the day, my goal is to better protect the advisor's business and better protect their clients with income protection. So at the end of the day, if the client doesn't want to proceed with the recommendation, I've, you know, I can send them the declination of the waiver if they want to sign it. Great. What I do then is hand that to the advisor. They can put that in the client's file to protect them as, um, you know, protect their business. Great. Thank you, Jeff. You open with and quickly, how do you get through it? What's the process? Sure. So, um, I'm definitely on the side of good fortune where, you know, we're dealing with physicians and since start of medical school, they've been preached disability insurance. So they're preached it, but there's no transparency in it. You know, they understand that they need it. Um, so I would say my differentiator or that process is, um, going over ONOC, uh, and asking them the questions on what does ONOC actually truly mean to you? And so this just kind of has to go back to the advisor um, being comfortable enough knowing the actual provisions within each individual coverage, uh, especially if you're dealing with medical professionals or engineers. These people are going to ask litany of, of questions on provisions and added riders. And so being able to even just get through the falsehoods of REGOC, ONOC, Enhanced OC, is definitely the first and foremost step for me, I'd say. So yours, yours is really just more technical because it's you technical. do know, as, as you're correct, the first year medical student, they've heard the word disability insurance and will hear about it a lot between now and the time they become a fellow and a doctor. 100%. And obviously that, that conversation changes. You know, if I'm speaking to my mom about it, who still doesn't hold DI, she's one of those individuals who are still trying to push over that edge, is like uh, she's a – a 60 plus year old woman. She's like, I'm still working. Why would I need it now? It's like, you've hit the lottery. So you've gone this entire time without having to pay DI premiums right now is the most important time to protect disability insurance. And so that just goes back to Greg's point of baseline protection of assets or even baseline protection of your business, I think is what resonated when Greg said that with me. And I immediately think of overhead and key man and stuff like that. So, And thank you. And Dyron, your practice is, as I say, you'll, you'll talk to a bush. So you don't have a niche market per se. You'll talk to just about everybody. So you're not just, you know, specifically somebody that's been teed up or medical. So tell us, one, how you open the conversation and quickly go through your process, please. Yeah, so I slided in in the very beginning of my intro into the discovery agreement where it was like foundation of any good financial plan is going to be risk management, protect it through, through simple insurances, life insurance, uh, income replacement plan, which is more often than not your most valuable asset, making sure your investment portfolio is appropriately balanced, and then making sure you have a proper will 
and estate planning documents, and then I go into the rest. So it's, it's kind of slid in right in the beginning, and some people catch it, some people don't. And then the, I go through the entire discovery agreement or, you know, the basic fact finder. And then it's the very last thing I do in the fact finder after I get everyone's information. So I'm going to know what their assets are, how much is in their checking and savings account. I'm going to know their home, what the values is, are um, looking at their portfolio, where all their assets lie. And I go through all of them. I list them all out. I write them all down. And I said, all of this stuff is meant to do one thing, and that's produce an income for retirement. Of everything that's on here, what is your most valuable asset? And everyone's like, some people about, you know, 25 to 35% say my income. The rest are like, oh, it's my house or my IRA or my stock fund, whatever it may be. And it's the very last thing I do because my next questions are, all right, in what order do you want me to solve this? And disability is always the first thing that I solve. So it's the last thing that I do at the end of my close. And it's the first thing that I solve every time. So it goes boom, boom, and then it goes right into it. So. Awesome. Thank you. So you work in the world of simple beats complicated every time, <laughs> basically. Pretty much. It's, it's, you don't, it doesn't take rocket science. And, you know, what I didn't hear anyone really discuss so far is supplemental disability. No one says it has to be the primary at all. I sell a lot of supplemental because it's just a phone call and it's a quick six or 700 bucks, but it's also very valuable. Mm. Like most people don't have enough and their employer won't give them enough. You make a hundred grand a year, you're going to get $60,000 if you're disabled. It's going to be taxable. You're down to 48. You can't live off of that. We need to have something to make sure that everything kind of gets going. So you do do the road less traveled. If the client's not going to write you a check for full financial plan, you still tell them, hey, here's what I can offer for you or offer to you right now today because I'm pretty sure you haven't had it, haven't seen it, and nobody's ever talked to you about it. Exactly. I don't, like some people, it's not worth the time to do a whole financial plan. Like, all right, well, let's just do this. And, you know, I probably get one or two of those a month. Just Diamond, that's awesome, and thank you. Gentlemen, next question. Uh, fairly easy. Uh, we didn't talk about this on the phone the other day, but where do you leave it when the client says those beautiful words, I'll think about it? We're trying to do real world here today. So where do you leave it when the client says, I'll think about it, which we all know happens more often than we would like? Yeah. So for me, I have to tread lightly here. Um, you know, I am these are technically not really my clients, right? I'm, I'm doing this for another advisor. Uh, I take an educational approach um, to this and I don't want to get too pushy and risk, you know, damaging a relationship to this, uh, you know, for these advisors that I'm working with. So ask questions. What's your plan? You know, um, and at the end of the day, you got to go home to, you know, your family and um, you know, I, you've got all the good ones, right? The pictures of your family and, you know, and that kind of thing. I haven't pulled that one out yet, but um, yeah, I mean, I tread lightly, ask questions, you know, and, and try to give them, you know, share with them some stats like, Hey, this is a real risk, so, you know, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, don't do a ton of pushing. How many change their mind good. before I go on to Jeff? Say that again. I said, how many change their mind after you've gone, listen, you know, you really got to think this through. How many change their mind, would you say? 
maybe one in four. You know, what happens is uh, I ask some questions and share some stories. Okay, think about people in your life. Do you know anyone that's got cancer? Do you know anyone that's been disabled? And most people say yes. Um, and I tell them, hey, listen, you know, those are things that can happen to anyone. Um, so, um, and then I also get people, you know, call back, whether it's 30, 60, 90 days later. Hey, listen, thought about what you said. Had a, you know, a friend or a family member get sick, and I totally realized the importance here. Um, you know, they had someone close to them, impact, you know, and that has impact too. But, um, yeah. Greg, thank you. Jeff, same. Yeah, I think Greg hit nail on the head on that last point of providing real life examples and then also understanding that, you know, your health isn't guaranteed, right? So kind of putting that ball on their court of, um, you know, the longer you wait, the more you bring in this period of uncertainty of the underwriting process and their own personal health, whatever grim that sounds, but it's just the gosh, honest truth with it all. Um, uh, 100% the real life examples extremely help. Um, again, just being able to do this for three years, you see plenty of clients, uh, happen to wait, you know, three years goes by, they're ready to jump back in and they're able they're ready to jump back in because they've had something actually happen to them, which is unfortunate. So you just bring those into the fold as well. So I'd say that's probably um, how I go about that. And how many come back and change their mind? Would you guess? Oh, I'm a guess. hundred percent. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> there uh, you go. One, one in four, one in four, I'd say that's, that's pretty, that's pretty spot on. You know, again, it is the unfortunate battle of just staying present and trying to make it as relevant as possible in each different environment. Uh, with with Corona, what we're seeing right now, you know, the importance of protecting your income and the and the conversation of uh, seeing our employment numbers go up day by day, and the importance of protecting income, and the importance of having supplemental income. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd say. Diren, please. So I try to set the expectations with my clients that they can tell me no. Um, so what I try to do with someone who says I'll think about it is I try to give them a short window to think about it, whether that's two business days or five business days until we get back to our, our next meeting. And at that point, I either want like a yes or no, or maybe we can just change it a little bit. So sometimes a lot of the maybes will turn into instead of a two age 65, a five year benefit period or to a two year benefit period, just to maybe fit something inside of a budget. Um, but I, you know, I make people tell me no, like I'm, I'm a big boy. I can handle a no, but I want to hear it from you to tell me no. And that's fine. I'll go back and rework it. And just knowing that, well, your new non-qualified account is going to be your disability income plan. So if something happens to you, I have to read the whole thing and just kind of set it out that way. But I expect a no. Dyron, thank you. In the last 10 minutes, I want you each to just elaborate a little bit and talk about one, let's just, we can't walk away during this pandemic without talking about COVID-19. So it's again, a two-part question. Will you find it, and you all do a good job already of talking about income protection, do you think it will be easier and resonate more with all of your, not your clients, all of your prospects, and actually your existing book? Do you plan to go back, Greg, whether it's going back to your, to your financial planner that you work with, Dyer and your own clients, 
Jeff, your own clients and say, you know, we know, as we talked about yesterday, we don't have the crystal ball. Do you think if you go forward 100 days, I'm going to make it easy. What's your 100-day plan for income protection, knowing full well that the entire planet is now aware, as we talked about yesterday briefly, they don't have the crystal ball. Do you think your sales will go up, and do you think that you'll never, ever forget to talk about it again? Greg, I'll start with you in this last nine minutes, and we'll go down the line. Yes, I think sales will go up. I've already been, you know, contacted a lot by advisors and um, and people looking for a DI specialist. Funny advisor the other day reached out and said, "If I dive into this, I'm going to get myself in trouble." Greg, can you handle it from start to finish? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm energized. I'm excited to start meeting with new advisors and talk uh, with them about, you know. What have your clients been saying? What is it like to deal with a pandemic and be without your income potentially for, you know, 60 days or so? Um, you know, I think that's a great way to start it. And, and you know, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm going to reach out to existing clients. I mean, I had people, um, you know, pull back a little bit, you know, about 45 days ago um, and want to sit and wait. And I think, you know, those are great people to touch base with and just ask them, what was life like for you? You know, take a real human approach here. And what was life like for you the past 30, you know, 60 days and, you know, and ask them questions about their life and, and, you know, was your income there and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the future. And I think, um, you know, I work from home mostly, uh, most of the time already. So I think, um, we're looking at some, um, some good times ahead. Well, I agree. I love school teachers, but I'm not a very good one. So I would like to get life back to the way it was. Jeff, please, you go ahead and answer as well. Well, um, first and foremost, yes, I do think uh, just seeing the environment we're in with COVID and everything that we will see a spike in, in our business and a spike in at least the interest of looking at disability income protection. Um, how I go about that, again, the three of us have kind of highlighted a couple things here, but locking in insurability while, while you remain healthy. I think that kind of just goes hand in hand. Individuals are so sensitive right now to their individual health that we'll 100% see more and more interest in that. And then two is, um, particularly with my book of business, is overhead, protecting your business in the sense of, you know, I am responsible for my employees and I don't want to have to go through that process of furloughing another employee uh, and protecting that, that salary of a non, non-producing employee. I think seeing those two factors will definitely see rise. Um, I'd say. It, it really does give you that much more of a real world conversation and just that much easier daily. I couldn't agree more. And Dyron, when the last five minutes here, please. Um, holy crap. I just, I, I just wish I could go back to work, man. Like, my wife was nine months pregnant, a week in the hospital, and now, like, a 10-day-old baby. Like, I, I, I work. Like, I go up and down the stairs next pandemic. I'm getting a rancher because these stairs are killing me. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I would expect that my sales will go up shortly. Um, just looking at my books of business, opened a couple file cabinets, and just having a peek at you know, about 75% of those clients have DI. I think it would be much easier to go back and just kind of place those last couple cases 
uh, because of the pandemic for sure. Like that's, I mean, just looking at those files, I know there's, you know, four or five, like just jumping that I could just make a phone call, you know, to, to kind of get it up and going again. Um, and you know, it will be easier to do some of this stuff via phone and, and zoom, uh, because people's mentality about it has completely changed. Um, so that will kind of allow us a little bit more of a window to see a couple more people. I, I don't know if I can get a hundred no's in a day, uh, like some other people, uh, on this conference, but I certainly don't mind trying, you know, and I can find some more time to do those things. Uh, I think because of it. And, you know, I think, you know, there's definitely more opportunities. Well, I must admit, I do show up, enjoy sharing a glass of wine and a good meal with you, and Zoom doesn't make it nearly as much fun. But, gentlemen, to all three of you, I owe you. I can't thank you enough. Chris, I'm going to turn it back to you if you have a question, because we are rounding our end of day for today, Wednesday, the 20th. So, Chris, take it back, please. And if you have a question, we still have four or five minutes left. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking your time today.